first lesson is from Exodus, the book of Exodus. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us. Who shall go before us? As for this Moses, the man who brought up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf, and they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and it may consume them. Of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It is with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the main reasons that people come to church is to worship God. I'm sure that's why many of you are here today, to come and offer your worship to God. You've come to sing songs of praise, to offer prayers, to hear the scriptures read. But these are only some of the acts of worship that you have done today so far and will continue to do. Alexander Schmiemann, in his book, For the Life of the World, makes a point that for Christians, worship involves much more than what we usually recognize and think of. He talks about that for the Christian, when the Christian wakes up in, on Sunday morning and takes those first steps to go and celebrate the Holy Eucharist, they already begin their worship. They worship as they get dressed, as they walk out of their front door, as they get into their cars and drive along the road to church. All the while, they are mindful of where they are going and what they are doing. These are all acts of worship that are just as important as the songs we sing and the prayers we say. Because all of these actions by the Christian person are orienting their life towards God. 
They're saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what's important to me and what matters. This is how I'm going to spend my time and my energy and my money to do these things because it matters. Buying gas so that you can drive to church is an act of worship. This morning, I want you to grow in your understanding of how much is involved in your worship of God. And our reading from Exodus is going to help us out today. And just to kind of remind us where we are within this story of Exodus, uh, if we remember, the Israelites, they are on their journey in wilderness to be formed into the people of God. They have gained their freedom from slavery out of Egypt. But now the question kind of is, now what are you going to do, right? You're no longer a slave, so now what will you do as a people? What are you going to do with this new freedom? God, through Moses, gives them commandments. Specifically, we remember the name, the Ten Commandments. And this is to be a guide to the people for how they should live their lives and what they should do with this newfound freedom that they have. This is how you should live to be in right relationship with God. This is how you should live to be in right relationship with your neighbor. In Exodus chapter 24, it tells us that Moses gives the people these commandments, lays them out to the whole gathered group of people. And the people, after receiving God's commandments, they all say this, they say this, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And just for good measure, Exodus, in the first seven verses of Exodus chapter 24, the people say that two times, right? They really mean it. We're going to do and we're going to follow these commandments, right? These are the kinds of words that every parent wants to hear out of their child's mouth. All that my parents have spoken, I will do and I will be obedient, right? There's no more perfect response than that. This is what the Israelites say to God. The people give their assent. We're going to follow these commandments. Then later in chapter 24, God asked Moses to come up onto the mountain and Moses and God, they meet there. And chapters 25 through 31 of Exodus are all about what God tells Moses. And they have this conversation up on the mountain for 40 days while the people wait down below. Those chapters don't really tell us what the people are up to. But then we get to Exodus, Exodus chapter 32 and the reading that we had this morning. And we kind of find out what the people have been doing while Moses and God are having a conversation. Right? The last thing we heard about the people is that they're all excited, they're all pumped up, they're going to, with gusto, follow all the commandments of God and do what God has asked them to do. So we imagine that's what we might find as we read 32. Well, as we read, that's not quite what the people decided to do. The people, they get anxious, Moses isn't around, they're not sure what's going on, and so they decide to take up a collection, they take up an offering, everyone contributes some of their gold jewelry, each person gives from what they have so that they can make a golden calf for their worship. After they make this calf, then they make their offerings and sacrifices. And they proclaim that these are the gods that brought them out of Egypt. It wasn't the Lord God who brought them out. It was these gods that brought them out. Well, this is in direct violation of one of the commandments that God had given them to follow. And the people said, we are going to do this. We are committed to this. They said they wouldn't make any idols. They wouldn't make any engraved images in heaven or on earth. Idols were not going to be part of their worship. The people decide not to worship God. 
The people decide to live in violation of their covenant that they've made with God. They decide that they are not going to follow the commandment as they said they would. And thinking about our earlier definition of worship, these people, they began their far false worship as soon as they decided to create that idol. As they turned their attention and their time and their labor and their goods toward that idol. The people, they went around and they gathered up gold and they melted it down and they formed it into a golden calf and all of those actions were part of their false worship as well. What's even worse, do you know what God and Moses were talking up about on the mountain while the people were down there making that golden calf? God is giving Moses instructions for how he wants the people to worship about building his tabernacle and making an ark of a covenant and, and who the priest should be and what kind of clothes they should wear, wear, goes through great detail. This is exactly what I want the people to do and how I want them to behave in their worship of me, God gives to Moses. And one more detail that makes this even worse on the part of the Israelites is we need to consider about where did the Israelites get this gold that they used to make this golden calf? When they left Egypt, at God's direction, the people asked the Egyptians to give them gold and jewelry, and the Egyptians gave that to them. That was part of God's blessing to them as they gained their freedom. God wanted them to have some resources to start off with their new life. And part of the reason that God gave them this gold was that they could use it in building the tabernacle and making the various instruments of the worship as it details in those chapters of Exodus where God tells Moses what he wants the people to do. You're going to make gold plates and gold rings and gold lampstands of various kinds, and you have some gold to do that. The people, they took the gold that God provided for them that was to be used for their worship of God, they ignored the commandments that they said they would follow, and they made an idol. This is not a job well done by the Israelites. And I would like to imagine that if I was an Israelite back then at that time, and there I was among the people, I would like to imagine that when the conversation came up about like, we should make a golden calf, I would like to imagine that I would say, no, 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 we're not going to do that, right? God just told us that that's not what God wants us to do. I would like to say that I wouldn't go along with the worship that everybody else was engaged in, and that I would follow God's commandments. But if I'm honest... There are plenty of times in my present life that I have not always worshipped God. I've heard the commandments of God not to worship other gods, not to make idols. I've heard those commandments thousands of times, and I have not been faithful. I chose other things and people to worship instead. I may not have taken my jewelry and melted it down into a golden calf, but I have taken what God has given to me and used it in ways that do not ascribe worth to God. I've used them in ways that haven't oriented my life towards God and God's ways. God wants us to use all that we have to worship God. Our time, our attention, our money. Our stewardship, how we use the gifts that God has given us, is part of our worship. Good, God-honoring worship will involve good stewardship. Stewardship and worship go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the other. 
Worship of God gives us purpose in our stewarding, and stewarding your gifts are essential actions that make up your worship. The Israelites didn't just worship a false god when they made the golden calf. They misused the gifts that God had given to them. They were bad stewards. The Israelites, they sinned in this story in Exodus, and I know that I haven't always been a good steward and worship God with what I have. And I would guess you haven't always either. Thankfully, one of the things that makes God worthy of our praise and worship is that God loves us and cares for us and is ready to forgive us of our sins and all our failings to worship God properly. All our failings to use our gifts in the right ways. God loves us and God wants to be in relationship with us and God is ready to help us to grow in that. Today we can repent of our false worship, we can repent of our bad stewardship, and we can know that God will forgive us. And then we can begin to steward our gifts as God intended for us in the way that we worship God and honor God with our gifts. As I told you at the beginning, my hope for you today was that your understanding of worship would grow. An important piece of worshiping God is about your stewardship. There is no worship of God without making an offering giving of something you have, your time, your energy, your skills, your attention, your money. How do you use the gifts that God has given to you? Do you use them in ways that bring honor and glory to God? What might, what might you need to steward better so that you can grow in your worship of God? I want to encourage you to continue to think on these questions and these things as we continue our worship this morning. And and I want you to stay afterwards as we go and have lunch together and continue our conversation on stewardship so that we can all become better stewards here at Holy Comforter and grow in our right worship of God.